All right, well, welcome everybody. This is uh, Tom Miller for our weekly Wednesday Exceptional Children's Talk. And I'm so excited today because we have a bona fide expert who oversees, get this everybody, get this. What's 10% what's of 20,000? That's 2,000 students on the caseload. I was trying to do the math. I'm like, I want to do this right. That's like 20 million kids, right, when you think about it. So I'm so excited uh, to have all of you. So whether you're listening to this call uh, on the archive, uh, during your evening walk or your morning walk or just the time that you can find in the day or you're with us live tell us where you're joining us from so put it in the chat box what's your question for uh, uh brianna she's going to spend some time talking about the california virtual academies program which serves over 20,000 children uh, virtually in the state of california and her team her team of 12 uh, works with and she'll you know tell us the uh, dynamics, but it's a massive one and she has a great team And so I'm going to tell you two things that I know about uh, Brianna. I've known her um, For a little over five years now And so I know number one She loves her job and that's the most important of any exceptional children's teacher, right? If you don't love your work <laughs> You're in the wrong work <laughs> if you are working with students with uh, disabilities and um, she's a great mom and she's working hard on herself and she's in with in less than six months we'll be calling you dr wall right are we about there we're, we're super close now no i have about two years left about uh, two. It'll go by i just fast, finished my please. first year i like six months let's go with that <laughs> yeah it'll seem like six months just keep uh, getting the uh check marks on the way there uh, dr Absolutely. wall so, yeah so so i have known her for some time through a couple of organizations and she's always involved with really great projects that involve um, lots of uh, children and a giant impact, right? So you've, so you've worked with some really big organizations. So I can't even imagine when I see Paul Brown said they have 12 uh, cadets on their caseload. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm technically responsible for 2,000 <laughs> on, on mine, but that's why you build a team. So I would love to learn about how you lead your team and build your team initiatives. And the floor is yours. I'm going to be quiet. So thank you so much for volunteering your lunchtime with us in California uh, to make a bigger impact here in North Carolina. Absolutely. Oh, it's such a pleasure. So first, I just want to make sure and I'll check for some head nods. Can you all hear me okay? Okay, I've got it. And then are you able to see the presentation? Okay, awesome. We are good to go. Um, so it is truly an honor to be able to present with you. I appreciate the words of encouragement in the chat. Um, you know, happy to have me here. And of course, Dr. Miller, your words, um, very much appreciated. It, it really is an honor. Um, and I really want to start off as we enter this discussion on navigating special education online, um, allowing you the opportunity to get to know me through this experience as well, just to build a little bit of trust of who I am, um, to put more information to this voice and face for you. Um, so first, this is just an overview of a few topics that I prepared. And how I prepare for this is uh, Dr. Miller has talked to me quite a bit about some of the things you all are interested in learning from someone like me who has just a wee bit experience in the virtual world. And I was able to go through a few pages of questions that have been compiled. And so I looked and there are about 10 questions on there that I'm hopeful will be addressed through this presentation today. So you'll get to know me first, and then we'll go into three um, topic areas. So one being communication, and you'll learn very soon how, how crucial, if you haven't learned already, that is in virtual education. 
And then I'm um, teaching online and I talk about the environment, what a classroom looks like and some essential components of the classroom and then progress monitoring. I hope that even when you hear that, you're like, yes, tell us about that because um, that that's it's a, it's a challenge for us, um, but especially uh, just coming from transitioning from brick and mortar into the virtual world. And then lastly, just some time management quick tips. Um, I find that especially being someone who came from brick and mortar schooling into online, I, I've learned to really value the enhancement of these skills in the areas I'm managing. So I'd be remiss if I didn't share any tips with you there. Okay. So this is me, or at least some iteration of myself and my husband. Uh, those are my two children. So these are just a few things about my identity that might be relevant and create some buy-in for you to listen to me here today. Um, so first and foremost, I am a believer and I am married with these two lovely children, Trinity is my older gal. Um, she will be graduating from pre-K this Friday. So excited about that. And then my son, Lonnie, um, is just two and a half love them dearly. My education experience, just so that you know, um, most of it was from Arizona. Uh, that's where I kicked off my educational career. I was uh, in Teach for America and served in that mission. And then um, a totality of about a decade. And California is my recent um, endeavor in education. So I'm still learning the lay of the land out here. Those of you who know anything about California know that sometimes we're referred to as a little bit of our own country. Um, so still lots to learn and explore here. Uh, virtual education, I've completed my third year this year, the remainder of my experience with the brick and mortar. And then just some professional roles that I played, of course, uh, began as a teacher, most importantly. I served as an interim principal for a short period of time, um, special education director, a consultant, and my own business for a short period of time, um, serving schools across the Phoenix Valley and developing their special education programs. And then um, scholar practitioner is also a part of my identity. I wanted to just share with you very briefly here, and hopefully this will give you um, a little indication that really there is a journey that's sort of just begun in the way of research when it comes to online education. So um, really give yourselves a pat on the back for all that you are doing in this um, pandemic transition into online education because the research is scarce out there in terms of what are the best practices of teaching online. Um, are teachers adequately prepared to transition from brick and mortar teaching into online? Um, and so I am working with Johns Hopkins um, University to conduct some research, which uh, Dr. Miller was just alluding to. And so in a nutshell, what I'm studying is um, online teachers, both general education and special education teachers. And I'm studying how were they prepared to teach online? Um, what strategies do they possess to serve students with specific learning disabilities? And then lastly, like what sources contribute to their knowledge? Were they prepared in pre-service experiences? Um, do collegial relationships play a vital role? Um, what have you? So that's just in a nutshell what I'm researching and actually next month, I'm very fortunate to be launching my needs assessment to be collecting some data and really diving into analyzing um, this area. And then lastly, my experiences mainly in public charter schools. I think that's important to note. Um, I, I'm not well experienced with the more traditional um, district school setting. I love my charters. Um, so that's just a little bit about me. 
So now let's dive in. I just, I love this topic. Um, hopefully you see a little bit of joy when I'm presenting to you because um, I really do love what I do. Uh, but most importantly, there are just very essential things about working online um, that we don't want to assume, you know, we have shared knowledge of. So one thing that I'm alluding to is communication. It is essential. It is key. And so we know, right, communication is used to inform, to seek understanding, to gain and maintain trust. You know, we could go on and on, um, but we land with engagement. And I mean engagement between leaders, engagement, um, you know, between all staff, between stakeholders, with students, especially, with teachers. And um, if, if we just can agree to understanding how important that is, and that should sort of shape how we continue moving through online education, just keeping that at our forefront. And so with communication, what I want to share with you is the importance of tracking communication. Um, and so I sort of listed some things off, and I'll get into a visual display momentarily. But just listing some of the popular ones in my environment for tracking is OneNote, you know, creating Outlook folders to file away information and follow up, um, an Excel workbook that sort of dots down, you know, student name, time, contact, the place, summary of contact. Um, but just very simply put, um, I really encourage you to have, if you don't already, a tracking system for tracking communication and follow up. It is vital um, that that really become, again, if it hasn't already, making no assumptions here, that that really become a part of your ongoing practice, um, so much that it's built in as a leader to your schedule to be following up. So what I wanna mention, I, I just mentioned here that I'm you know, not to make assumptions when I'm presenting, and that's something that we should keep in mind, even in the most basic form of communication, like an email sent to a parent, right? reminding them or informing them of an IEP time. Um, I say not to make assumptions because one, we don't know if it went to their spam mail. You know, we don't know um, if they're, how often they're checking that email communication. So doing things like kind of using that 10 day window of sending meeting notices ahead of time, making sure that you allow yourself multiple attempts and different modes of notifying them of let's say an IEP meeting, call them email them, um, call them again, have somebody else call them, <laughs> try to schedule a, a Zoom meeting with them. Um, just making sure that we're using all those modes and we're never assuming or try not to, that someone received, understood, or is even taking action on the communication you send. Um, and I really highlight that, and I hope that doesn't sound too much of a simple concept for you because it really looks different in the physical environment. Right, you go to Miss Trench's office or room and you hand deliver her something you know that she received it. And sometimes you sort of look down and scan and look up for some questions. And so it sort of just looks different in the physical space. And then remembering that, you know, all stakeholders just applying that follow up method to everyone. I'm going to pause for just a moment and chat. Yeah. So oh. I was going to say. <laughs> So I'm actually paying a coach hundreds and hundreds of dollars an hour to tell me and to make me do what uh, uh, you just said, right? It's to <laughs> yep. communicate and then schedule a time later in the week that's physically on your calendar that is to make sure to close that cycle, right? I mean, that, that's such an important piece. The problem is 
we don't build white space into our day and we're just on the fly, especially in the Zoom world that we're all learning. You know, this is a world that you have been learning for three years and you shared with me last week about it. you're so good with your Evernote. And that was one of the questions I think about software for a communication. Yes. You've got, so can you talk more about like, how did you come to that learning and how did you become this very closed off communicator? In a good way. Oh my goodness, yes. I will do that and I love that question in the chat. My next visual display will allow me to answer that. Um, one thing that I, I sort of plopped on here, which is very relevant to communication, just before I go into the visual displays, confidentiality. I noticed it was in your team's list of questions of how do you maintain that? And it feels a little like sort of insecure, right? Like you come from having a filing cabinet with a lock and a key and you, you know, you flip through your tabs and we're here and we're like, Oh, should you know should we be sharing this email with this person and in zoom can multiple students with special needs be in one classroom and these sort of questions that are, are valuable um so i'm here to share just some ways that we maintain confidentiality when we're communicating so we password protect um at pdfs and excel workbooks and um, just a quick tip if you want to do something like this with your staff we have a monthly password so school-wide, we use the same password. It's um, entered into our SharePoint system. Everyone has access to it. So each month to sort of draw their attention to it, we have a monthly trivia and then they go there. So everyone, we all assume when you receive a workbook file that has any confidential information, it's password protected, you use that password. Um, and so that's one of our shared practices just internally. Um, and then things like when you're communicating with parents, providers, you know, staff, we use first initial last name, and that's probably a common practice with some of you as well. Um, so we, we really make sure to abide by that. And then um, we ensure that there's a system, which we have a pretty robust system in place that houses contact information of a legal guardian. I, um, this is sort of something just uh, very important I just wear on my sleeve. I just can't stress how much um, we should be careful. I think you all will agree in special education. Have to make assumptions about who is um, you know, the legal guardian, especially when we're doing formal things like making invitations for IEPs, getting consent to deliver services. So we have a shared system, it's called Total View School, um, and Pathways is another system you may have heard of, where we keep um, parent contact information and it's constantly updated. We have um, a policy and procedure for parents to update that information, sort of submit an update if it's needed. So what I would recommend, if you don't have either of those two systems, is um, someone, you know, maybe it's IT or there's some role that's, even if it's individual teachers, that's in charge of managing their caseload contact information and just ensuring that there is an avenue of some kind for for legal guardians to provide an update because it's so crucial. And I know some of you have experienced this, you're not getting returned emails. You're not get, getting that communication back. And really, when we have to exercise the benefit of the doubt, we don't know why that's the case. It could be a, a crisis in the home, or maybe that number isn't theirs anymore, email. We just wanted to hone in on that importance. Um, I know I rely heavily on that system. It doesn't matter how many times I've called a parent, I go into Total View School, put in the student ID, pull up contact information, and I make sure nothing has changed before um, I reach out to them again. So that's definitely important there. So I'm gonna go to this visual. Um, so this is a way 
that this is called OneNote. It's a Microsoft Office system. And this is one way that you can track, remember it's just one, and I've sort of set up this mock and I'll walk through it with you. Now, how I, I came to knowing that this is necessary um, is because, it, I, I one, I would show different routes um, from um, an Arizona Virtual Academy leader that I first worked with when I started in the online school system, but I ended up taking it and running with it. I was telling Dr. Miller, I mean, you'll see in other slides, I literally like file my emails, I file tasks, I assign myself tasks. Um, and anytime I'm in a meeting, I'm known for taking notes in the OneNote system because you all, we need some way to track how we're doing what we're doing. And especially if we want action, especially if we're student-centered and we have results that we need to accomplish, we have to store that information, be able to access it, follow up and follow through. And so I will give this example here and let me oops, go back, but stop just in case chat was very relevant to what I just said. I love OneNote, good, good here. So here's a little mock. So this folder, which you can't see on the left-hand side is titled communication log, just to walk through a clear example. Okay, in my communication log, let's say I have an administrator tab, you see in the upper left, a said colleagues tab, special education colleagues, uh, general education colleagues tab, and then I have students, okay? So on the right-hand side, I have my students listed, still utilizing that confidential way of noting students by first initial last name. And then I've opened up JDoe's tab for you. So this is um, me showing you how you can create your own tracker for individual students. And here's an example. So I, what you see in front of you, I typed in myself. It didn't come this way. You know, I can change the labels of my files at any time. Um, and when I open this one in particular, I simply put date and a description. I just want to track my communication, right? So some things that are key that you may want to share with your team if you choose to implement something of this nature is the information that goes into the description, right? Please never assume that if you were to roll out something like this, the teachers, let's say, would put in all the vital information needed in the description. They might just say, try to call mom. Or, you know, and then maybe mom had three numbers listed and you're not sure which one was attempted. So here's what I practice and I've sharpened this saw over the years. I'll use a certain verbiage, which you do not have to do this, but I left a voice message for the legal guardian. Here's the number I use and it was regarding live sessions. I could have went so further, um, so much further as to say regarding live sessions attended right so just to give you some descriptors and and it takes time to sort of refine um these practices of how we we track and describe and then the next day this is me sort of modeling the follow-up i didn't get a hold of anyone i know so and so or j doe is not attending session sessions i'm definitely going to have another log that says hey i tried email Here's the email address. It was to the legal guardian. It was regarding live sessions and my phone call attempt. It was unsuccessful. And so that's just to get started. Um, and one thing I wanna mention, which I didn't actually paste here, one note, really think of it as a notepad. You can paste an image in there. You can get um, the little doodle markers and annotations and, and make all sort of annotations. You can highlight, um, you name it create text boxes, tables. This is as if it, you have a pen and a paper, um, and maybe a little bit more than that actually. And you can just make these pages whatever you'd like. And by the way, as you 
go further and further down if you're wondering, wondering will I run out of space, what have you, you will not. Um, it, it just keeps building this page. And on the right-hand side, you can always add different um, sort of tabs as if this is like a filing cabinet. Um, so this is just one form of communication. And this is what I choose and I share this practice with my team. So I will pause just for a moment in case there is a question on that. Okay. okay, alrighty. So we're gonna transition a little bit into teaching online. Um, so the first thing um, that I wanted to um, talk about in terms of a category of teaching online is the environment. And one of the main ways I can do that is really talking about our environment and, and perhaps you can make relations and I'll draw correlations to Zoom um, just as an example. So we have an online learning system and what we use is Blackboard Collaborate. Some of you may be familiar with it in higher education or through other sources. So at this time, that's what we use. And it replaces the physical sense of a classroom, right? Um, and in special education, and I know this came up in some of the questions, we do deliver, of course, specially designed instruction. We do have special education teachers credentialed um, that facilitate those, we call them live sessions. Um, and they are in the form of small group, most commonly. Um, and then, of course, it, it pertains specifically to what the IEP states as needed services. And we have one-on-one -on -one sessions as well um, where it is warranted and needed for those students. And so um, it, that sort of is a really short description, but I did that intentionally, and you'll see why in my next image. Um, because really, when you take away the physical sense of a classroom, yes, there are changes, but largely what I found in my online journey thus far is there's so many similarities. We can still deliver instructional materials. We can still create a curricular experience for our children um, with exceptional needs in an online setting. I'll show you that in a minute. So um, essential features. These are important, and this speaks to, I believe Tracy had put in chat earlier, um, engagement. Um, these are some essential features you'll want to utilize, um, maybe you know, play around with your team, get some development and training on utilizing it, maybe do some mock sessions, because they're crucial to engagement for students during a live session. So the ability to display information, what I'm doing right now, that, that has to be possible, unless you're in a, a mode where you're having a group discussion with your students. You know, there are some situations where you may not need to share, but a PowerPoint presentation. So our teachers primarily use, um, I, I wouldn't say primarily, but in terms of sharing um, lesson plan layout and um, use of instructional materials usually is through a PowerPoint presentation. And then um, videos are embedded in that, whether it's through YouTube or other channels. Um, links are also staying on the topic of displaying information. You may drop a link to, I don't know, um, I excel and you know, students are going off and completing an activity and then they're talking about it in a meeting. So you're not really bound, right, in that sense. Um, you're able to utilize and bring in other resources when you're instructing. And a microphone is crucial. Um, having, you know, etiquette, having sort of class norms and rules surrounding um, using that microphone. Audio, of course, we need to be able to utilize that feature. Text chat is so important. And what you might begin to notice with this theme is that there are multiple modes of, of, for a student to engage. And we always want to provide multiple modes, especially for exceptional students. Um, video, uh, the ability, Zoom obviously offers that to see one another. 
um, to annotate and manipulate tools, really getting teachers to play around. You know, I could do it right now. There's an annotation feature on everyone's screen. I could be circling and, you know, drawing an X and typing things out. Um, our teachers call it the whiteboard, you know, on our blank screen. Um, so really utilizing that. And then breakout rooms. Um, and I understand this may be newer when transitioning from brick and mortar, right? When I was a classroom teacher, I could have different centers and I could see everyone. Um, that looks a little different when you're in Zoom and you have breakout sessions, you can't quite see all your students. So I just say to, to think through that with your teams on uh, what's the best practice when using those. Uh, one thing is you could um, have you know, the teacher circulating through the breakout rooms. You could make some of the breakout sessions very short, like turn and talk to a partner for two minutes on this specific topic and you bring them back. Um, but they're just, depending on your different schools, you may need to talk through what breakout sessions look like um, in terms of supervision for children as well. But we definitely use that feature and our teachers float throughout breakout rooms. Um, I'm gonna share this visual and talk through it. There are two very simple visual displays and, and Blackboard may not look, the one on the left, all too familiar for some of y'all. But with me being able to have some confidentiality on the, the left-hand side, there were student names. Um, this is uh, what our classroom looks like. So on the very left-hand side, you can see um, there are tools. Let me go to my annotation feature. So these are some tools. So students have the ability to click in those different areas and say, do I want to use a marker? Do I want to use a straight line? Do I want to um grab and move something you know do i want to use a text box if they're going to engage directly on the screen it gives them a set of tools the toolbar essentially um also there's a feature you can't really see it because it's so tiny but right over here in red where the teacher is able to mute students and things like that so those are, are really important um, to be able to use in the virtual setting and that that's part of classroom management um, and then what I'm just displaying here, what I highlight is that I just wanted to put in like the simplest form. So I know this is so super simple. How sort of like a worksheet on a desk can be displayed in a classroom. Um, again, very, very simple form. But we, our teachers are able to share information on a screen. Multiple students can engage or in the breakout sessions, students can manipulate different worksheets. So they're able to simultaneously work on things. Um, so just remembering that and then they're able to save and send it to the teacher and we'll talk about tracking in a little bit. And then on the right hand side, it's just like a creative visual. I just wanted to kind of show off from an observation that um, I had with one of our teachers throw down Thursday. It was her warm up. Um, she called it a hook and students were used to it. They were actually excited about it. They were competing. Um, and although it's not showing very much there, it's just to, to show you and to demonstrate that it is possible to do creative things in the virtual environment to get your students engaged at the beginning of a lesson with something that they're interested in, and to use a, a cool hook like throw down thursday that's also one of my examples of engagement this teacher actually um, did a survey and spent time getting to know her students before she created the different themes for each day of the week so that's um, another great example to, to allude to now let me Clear all drying. Can we hold to see if there's any questions, Brianna? Because because I've got a million, so I don't know if everybody yeah. else does. But my brain I, is I on certainly fire. will. So if you got a question, you can either unmute yourself now or you can put it in the chat box. Either way. Uh, but I was wondering, because and I may have missed it, 
do all of your services occur like live or or do you have okay, so how yeah. does that work yes so um for students with special needs right mm -hmm. yes they all occur in live sessions um our sessions are recorded as well so if a student you know happens to miss services we do offer them the recording just for their benefit but yes they all are our live sessions they're okay. scheduled in our class connect system so how do you handle it if they miss like i saw like in your communication you know little tommy's missed you know three three in a row and yes so we um we have an attendance tracker um some a data-driven formula that i'm not familiar with algorithm but it tracks um because we use the blackboard system um, it when a student attends we're able to capture that in our system and when they don't show up they're not logged into that session so that's the main tracker we use on a weekly basis but for teacher individual practices they're encouraged to have a communication log such as i shared out and when they're when they have so many attempts so we have a compliance policy i should mention that so if there are so many attempts that were unsuccessful you've tried this this and that and you collaborated with other team members we do get to the point where we need to schedule an iep meeting um right because we've identified these are services this child needs they're not attending we've tried all these you know ways and so we need to get together and i i i said i sort of threw it in there but i don't mean to say lightly the collaboration with your colleagues Sometimes the English teacher might have been talking to mom and they're communicating just fine, but you couldn't get a hold of mom. So just making sure that you connect with other IEP team members, related services alike, just to check and see if anyone's having different experiences before having to move forward. Awesome. What other questions do you guys have in that first part? Blackboard's fascinating. Oh, I said Blackboard is fascinating. I'm sure it's you know come long ways. When I was in my doctoral program, we used it, but our uh, professors didn't know how to use it. So I'm sure teachers are doing an incredible job with it right now. So yes, yes, they're trying. So my question is, when you're using Tom, answer um, had some of the same questions, but I'm also going back to the classroom thing. Mm -hmm. When you're showing the um, the worksheet online, yes, to where. So once the kids start working on the worksheet, can you individualize the worksheet? So like Tom, um, so Tom could have one, I would have one, and another student would have one that would be at their level? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, indeed. So we have, um, we could do that. I was recently in a classroom actually at where the students I floated around to the different breakout sessions and I got to actually see that in action recently where they were working on they were able to select from they had three different options. Um, one was a video. One was a game if they were ready to play the game, which sort of assessed their knowledge and the other one was sort of a worksheet similar to this. And they were able to pick which one and in their they had individual breakout rooms. They were able to work through those. And what you can do in Blackboard, similar to Zoom, is you can like raise your hand or make an indication to the teacher that you need them to come work with you. Now, if you weren't in breakout rooms, what you could do, a couple different things. You could um, use the chat, the primary chat space, to drop different links. So you could upload an attachment of one worksheet, attachment of another worksheet, a link to a video, and you could say, you all have these three choices, perhaps, 
You can select from each one. And while they're in the main room together, they can be working on their screen. They can sort of minimize Zoom and work on their screens on the individual tasks. Either email it to a teacher. Some teachers use Dropbox or Google Drive, um, or they can display it on the screen for teachers. And you can use the snippet tool, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Um, so sometimes there is work that's done where it's not on a shared screen, for lack of a better word. Students are minimizing a window and they're getting some work done and then they're coming back together in the main room. They never log out. Uh, if you can follow me there, they're sort of minimizing. Yes, yes. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Great, question. great question. And there'll be um, time for more too because I'm, I'm gonna share my screen with something in particular. I was just bragging on you in the chat box, so I just wanted to make sure that uh, folks yeah. asked her question, you know? Of course, absolutely. <laughs> you got a chance, ask it. Here we go. All right, go for yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. If I don't have an answer today, I will work on getting you one. I, I'm great at following up. I try. Not perfect. Um, progress monitoring. So this is something, and this is why I want you all to know that you're certainly not alone. This is huge in our environment right now. Um, some of our online teachers are just not familiar with practicing this virtually and quite frankly in many respects weren't prepared to do so through pre-service past experiences and so I wanted to share three ways um, which I've sort of alluded to recently um, just getting straight to the point of how you can progress monitor how you can store and collect data for students pertaining to IEP goals and so one note is just um, one visual display that I have and um, this setup, if you notice, looks a little different from my previous OneNote. So at the top is where I list the student names because this folder in OneNote might be called student data. And so at the top, the top tabs are important because those are your, your, your categories. So I list my students up there so that way on the right hand side where you see MPS May 26, RC May 26, that's your that's your filing cabinet. That's, a, that's where you can file your um, student data. And so back to the label. So I put MPS, that's going to be my short for math problem solving, and it was a session on May 26. And then the next one is um, reading comprehension. It was a session on May 26. And maybe in my tab, I indicate goal was assessed. So that you want to think of as this right hand side starts to build and grow with different dates and um, you know, words, you want to have a common practice for yourself, just like your note-taking habits, to remember what information you store there just a little bit. And it's also easy to click through. But what we would put there, y'all, is similar to the examples where I, I said, you know, you could have a worksheet. Students, if they email you information, if they're completing it um, on a whiteboard in the group session or they're in a breakout session, you can use, if you haven't used the snipping tool, Please Google it. Um, I'm familiar with PC, so if you use a Mac, it could be a different um, tool name, but it's fantastic. You can open it and you can snip any part or all of a screen. And our teachers use that frequently to capture student data in real time. And so if you do that, you can then take it as if it's like an image, you copy and you can paste it on this page. Um, the other thing you can do is attach. Let's say a student um, submitted something in like an online resource you use and it calculates a score. They did eight out of 10 of these 
you know, long division problems, you could capture that score, right? Because that's relevant to maybe one of their goals and paste it as an image so that you can refer back to that information. Um, or you can attach a Word document and the list goes on. You can store anything in OneNote. Um, and you can also, uh, I'll get into that later. I was gonna talk about my filing system, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Let me see, time. Use for students with disabilities with intellectual. Ah, the question in the chat. Strategies for students who are motivated, not engaging. Limited data on collection due to disengagement. Yes, that's so common. Um, you're not alone, so I'll pause. Um, on that question for a moment about students with intellectual disabilities and um, just that you're having a challenging time with engagement. We have a challenging time with engagement, okay? But I have to make that very clear and obvious because we do. Um, it's, I think it's going to be an ongoing struggle. We try to embed things like uh, we have uh, people who are designated as support staff that reach out to our families and help them through when they're disengaging. Um, when they you know, identify as chronically absent, we have systems and policies and procedures in place to address them. Um, and we have these this sort of wraparound team approach. Um, sometimes that isn't enough. So we try to think back on a brick and mortar experience about how do I get the student's interest? Pick up the phone, call the parent, ask them, you know, what's going on? If, you know, something may have changed in the home, just have like an open-ended discussion um, back to kind of some of those common practices of getting to know the student. Ask the parent, we do this a lot. They're called, oftentimes it is the parent or um, aunt or older sibling called the learning coach. And we really um, rely on their support significantly um, in the online environment. And we might say, you know, we tried this in class today. I noticed Jonathan wasn't involved. What was happening at home? Like right behind the scenes, what was going on when I encouraged him to get on the mic and he did it? Or, you know, and that's how you learn about what those skills present as behind the scenes. Um, but I'd say too, for us, our learning coach is really vital, especially for students the intellectual disabilities um, or students just needing uh, more support outside of the general education realm. We, our services and support for them is very individualized. Um, sometimes we have to partner with our, our district counterparts um, and sometimes our private schools to support those students um, if we're not able to be successful with them in the virtual environment or if they trans transition to our schools and their IEP calls for a specific placement, we always have to respect that legal component. And so there are um, times, and that's why I want to be transparent and say, there are times when we're partnering with other schools that are physical school buildings to support those students with more exceptional needs. Um, but we also use ULS, the unique learning system, if some of you have heard of that, and they're offering a lot of free resources right now um, for life skills, uh, all, the, all the core, um, Sort of subjects and so if you haven't heard of them i really encourage you to, to google them and get some free resources can you say the name again brianna um unique learning system unique learning system and i can actually forward you tom i recently got an email full of a lot of resources oh, so that'd I be can great. they would love it yes yeah, so, so it's it's so important what uh, brianna just said she said that you know parents choose them and yet we still have a challenge with engagement. Mm -hmm. But the most important thing I heard you say, Brianna, is that education like starts with the teacher, but it's really about the student, right? What are their interests? How do I build relevancy into their world through a screen? And yes. that, that, that starts with getting off your own agenda, right? We just learned about this. 
And it's about their, like, what are, you know, what, what interests do they have? So if you're having that, you know, challenge, you know, picking up that call and in preparation for next year and almost doing an interest inventory with each one of your students, no matter what, you know, when I was a special ed teacher, I had a clipboard and I knew what every kid liked, you know, what was their favorite cartoon. And I would just like, Hey, what would, you know, what would Donald Duck say? And they'd be like, Oh, right. I mean, whatever it was, it didn't matter. I needed to get to the, to the exit ticket. I didn't care how I got there. I needed to get there. So I love what you just shared. So hopefully everybody captured that. I appreciate that summary was even better. (laughs) So thank you for that. Um, A couple other forms that may be more common for uh, progress monitoring, the sort of physical sense of housing this data. Uh, Some of our teachers use um, Google Forms and Google Docs. So the forms are neat. If you you haven't had this thought before, this is neat. Um, You can send the link to your kiddos and even drop it in the chat in your class. And we know this, right? Google Forms, you get it, they're getting an individual separate form and they're able to, you wanna make sure you ask for their name so you can compile a record and then ask them the questions that you typically ask on what Tom alluded to, that exit ticket out the door, you know, or um, whatever your form of assessment is. This is great for forms of assessment. Um, if it's able to be captured in a Google form, asking them even reading comprehension questions to assess, making sure you have that, the five, so you can see how many they get correct out of five, you know, but um, that's a great way and it, it compiles it and you can always have like a Google folder for JDoe, you know, every time you, you assess the goals using this format, you drop it into that folder um, and just really try to play around with it and get creative. And then um, for the, go- the Google Docs, I always think of writing as one of the primary ways you could use that. And so I sort of labeled, you know, T-Rex, I put a student ID, again, thinking of those common practices for labeling. This is, you know, three paragraphs. I know as a special education teacher that pertains to a particular goal and it was in the month of May. You know, he's not writing three paragraph essays every week in May. But um, that's one that I want to capture. And then I'm able, he's able to do it in a live document. And you could even, you can go so far as you're engaging with him while he's in that live document. I mean, there's so much you could do with that, but also um, just a way to capture it and um, save that data and store it um, rather than having them. And, and let me not say rather than another way, and this is us being flexible to our student needs, is students may need to handwrite some things. Okay, and that's okay, and our teachers do it as well. And maybe they take a picture of it and send it to you, file it in your OneNote, or they scan it, or learning coaches helping scan it, they send it to you. So just being open to those different ways. Um, But my point in outlining these things and through our um, discussion in between is that it's possible, you can progress monitor, looks a little different, and there's not one size that fits all. There's just not. So it's okay to play around with these different features or programs. Um, I'm always learning about any collaborative meeting. I have some new tool that I write down. I'm like, I need to go Google that and check it out. Um, And so I also noticed in some of the comments from previous meetings of this that it can be overwhelming to get a lot of resources. I recognize that even for us in the virtual environment, it, it is. It can be overwhelming. So I always will do a search. I'll kind of learn a little bit more about it, but I don't always take something and run with it, right? Um, I just like to at least have a knowledge base of it. And that way, um, when it's relevant to my team or maybe it's relevant in that moment, I'm able to look into the resources further. Let me stop for a moment. Um, 
Microsoft, OneNote, and Google. Um, mm, that's a great question. I'm not sure in Google what's comparable to OneNote, but I will write that down um, because I know somebody would know that answer. Yeah, so maybe, I don't know if Evernote meets that, but I mean, just in Google, your calendar can act pretty, pretty good. Um, Oh, for sure. And you know, you just, you just got to, I don't know, there's so many organization tools out there. It's hard to keep track of them all. But sure. if anybody sure. has a good tool that they use, throw it in the chat box because everybody seems to be looking for something to better organize their day and their world. And um, we Absolutely. all have the same amount of hours in a day. Did you all know that? Believe it or not. <laughs> and a week, it's the same. It's 168 for everybody. Just, it's amazing how some people are able to be better with their time. Oh yeah, oh, time management. This is reoccurring. Again, you all are not alone. This is reoccurring in my environment. Um, and my team knows this is just something I constantly talk about and providing one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, Tom had mentioned that I manage a team um, about 10 staff that actually oversee their special education leaders, their program specialists, um, their lead education specialists. And we're just, we're, we're constantly riding this wave of like sharpening our saw, you know, getting better at how we manage our time. Um, and I, there's three categories I'd like to, to cover with you. Email management, which is so important. Calendaring tasks, I'm alluded to that. And then reserving time for your staff. So that's something special you'll hear about me that I find valuable. Two things, you won't get the expert walkthrough in this presentation today, but please, if you find any interest in what I share, jot it down, YouTube, Google, um, I know we can't rely on them for everything, but there's some really neat tutorials on how to do these things, um, and I found them beneficial for me. So a rule, I don't know how many of you have heard of that or if you even use Outlook, if you don't, I'm sure there are rules in Google as well. Um, I use Google more for uh, my my personal um, commitments, and so I rely heavily on Outlook for work. So that's where a lot of my examples stem from. So a rule allows you to, have, when an email comes in, have it sent and categorized in a certain way, okay? So this is an example of, um, if I want to capture, I wanna make sure it's a priority for any email that comes in that has in the subject line IEP, I need to make sure I get my hands on that sooner rather than later. And this is where some of those, those norms come into place. Remember how I said we use first name, our first initial, last name, student ID. And then we also have um, subject lines that we use. You know, if it's about child find, it needs to literally say child find. And so if you have some of those norms that start to develop, those are good to pop in here when you're creating a rule. If it says this in the subject line, here's what I want you to do with it. That's what the image shows. So if it says IEP and it's sent directly to me, um, I want it to display, uh, and this is an example, you don't have to use all these features. I want it to display, display to me a new alert in my window, no matter what I'm doing, that this email has come in. So you might think of some families um, that I like to say um, utilize more of our attention. Um, those might be families, you know, if you, you can, you can literally check the box at the top that I didn't check where it says Matthew Ramsey, you can actually put in there so-and-so, like the person's name that if Darcy emails me, I need you to display it in my window so that it draws my attention. So these are really neat. 
the, the last part that's important to know about the rule is when you're creating this, you can create a separate folder in your email system. It's usually on the left-hand side and you can label it. It can say fun families, it can say um, urgent, and it will automatically file there. It won't come in your main inbox, um, but it can file it there and it'll show as having an unread item. It can alert you in your window, you can follow up later. Um, but that's just a nice way to organize. So you might do that um, with certain team members. Maybe you have a specific folder. It's from a, a family or two, you have a specific folder, so on and so forth. And I would say, if you're trying this for the first time to create a rule, start um, small. I wouldn't recommend creating rules now for a number of things because it's, it's, a, new, it's a new feature. So you want to adjust yourself to see if it works for you. For some people, it doesn't. Some folks have a hard time looking on the left-hand side where all those folders are and they'll, they'll neglect emails. I've literally been told this. But just if you try it, kind of um, just that, give it a try and see how it works for you. Um, and that was relevant. And that's uh, just through Outlook? Like that's, yes. so I'm gonna go back. Everybody knows my uh, former partner, Jeff. He pulled us away from Outlook and now we're in Google and I can never find any email that anybody sends me. It feels like it always just goes, I don't know where they go. I can never, I can never find them. All right, I might be, have to go back to Outlook now. I have a preference, especially since I use both for Outlook, for sure. Um, How much time and, do you feel, do you, um, do you, do you, can you like even, you know, go back and say, this is how much time I save now I know per day because I don't have to look for things? Like, have you ever even like assessed yourself? I have not assessed myself with that. That's a great point though. That'd be good to do, especially for some of my leaders just beginning to utilize some of these features. That'd be interesting to know. Yeah, uh, we, great point. we did some math recently. It's like, if you say five minutes a day, because the average employee spends 20% of their time looking for stuff. That's, that's about where the research is. So even if you were to say five or 10 minutes a day, right, that's, that's, you know, 35 minutes a week, that's uh, 140 minutes. Um, you know, it just adds up and it, it came out to wow. be like 30 hours over a year. Wow. <laughs> I, mean, I could do a lot in 30 hours, I would hope so. Oh, or do nothing with that 30 hours, but it's my choice. I'm not looking for something anymore. Absolutely. And those statistics really help um, for just, just helping your staff understand the importance of it and what results they can get from using it, such as having time back in your day, which we all would love to have. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, filing. So um, this is how I... Um, uh, my I say OneNote, I'm sorry, obviously I'm a little biased, I love OneNote, but only because it's been effective for me and that reason alone. So in my um, Outlook, in my inbox or inboxes, I file information for a number of reasons. One, just as filing, very matter-of-factly to save records. Also, um, I have each of my staff members, we have reoccurring meetings, which I'll talk about in a minute, and I have a, a title in my OneNote for each of the staff I supervise. And so if there's something pertinent to our upcoming one-on-one -on -one meeting that I want to make sure I talk about um, with one of my team members, I'm going to file that away under their folder. And you can even rename it. Um, and then I can also say, oh, let me make sure I attach the instructional rubric. So I want to make sure that I, I mention that when I talk to her. Um, and let me, let me click to the next part so I can show you exactly what I'm talking about. So this is where I'm going to talk about calendar and tasks in a minute, but it's important to see this sort of attachment thing. So I like to, if I'm filing in my OneNote, attach things. So it's my way of like 
Tom literally just alluded to, it saves time. And quite frankly, I can't remember everything. So when I'm going through this virtual world and I'm in meeting to meeting or you know, prepping for this project or this presentation, I need a way to store information that I can return to and it's, it's already in place. So not only will I file an email, like you see, I got an email about JDoe, I'm gonna pull up that file, and there's, there's literally a button at the top of Outlook, and it says, um, send to OneNote. And so you can, and I don't know if you've ever printed before and you've looked at your options, a lot of times it'll say like, send to OneNote, if you use Microsoft at all, you can also like do it that way. But you can file there and attach things so that you can follow up the next time, and it's all I like to say in a safe it's all in one place. I don't have to rely on my memory to um, recall that information is the point. You want to be able to recall that information. I'm going to pause before I talk about calendaring. Can you get a chant? Yeah, they were just, um, Emily shared that oh. you can filter things through uh, Google. So I'll have to look at it and see. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Good share out. All right, calendar tasks. Um, so this is, and a lot of things we're sort of piecing together that have come up through our discussion this afternoon. This is one of them, calendaring tasks. We talked about how we're using our time. And Tom was right, the calendar can be crucial. And I'm really working with some of my team members to get in the habit of doing this. Calendar your tasks, literally schedule them. In the virtual world, I promise you, you will be more effective and efficient if you somehow embed this task in one way or another. Um, what you can do is if an email is shown up on your screen, you can drag it, and I put this arrow here, and drop it in this little icon in Outlook that shows your calendar, and it'll pop up automatically a way for you to calendar the task. So then you can enter in, let me use my so then right here, this is where you see me, I drug it and then it pops up and I put in there, my subject is gonna be test email. I wanna calendar this task for 11.30 p.m. to 12 a.m. And then I wanna attach over here, all these things. I need to make sure the PowerPoint is there. I have literally the email that will open up. I drag the email over. I have some notes. Make sure you review and connect with Sarah before, you know, when completing this task. Don't forget to look at page two. I mean, this is just a very literal sense of, I, I need to be able to recall. When, I, when it's time for me to complete this task, when Outlook reminds me, I need to recall all that information and not go looking for it. Um, and so I, I do this like as, as a habit on a daily basis. That's how I prepared for today. I had to set aside that time. Now, it's another skill you might be guessing to abide by it. So you can calendar all you want a calendar, but you can also dismiss your alerts. Um, so it's, you know, and I'm not perfect in that way either. Of course I know, like when I think Tom and I, what we worked, we set up this maybe a month ago. I wasn't preparing for the presentation a whole month ago. Like, did I schedule in some time sooner rather than later? Yes. And I was able to, and I have a literal instance where I was able to reschedule it. Um, because I thought I was going to prep for this three weeks in advance. I thought, no, I have a little more time. And that's just me being transparent to say, it's, it's a live example. We, we are, we are um, skilled as leaders in prioritizing. And so that's okay. Do that. But I would just say be mindful um, of what you're rescheduling, how often, and really get in the habit of respecting your time. 
another thing I do, this is more of a um, tangible sense back to brick and mortar, is I will print sometimes um, my a task that I need to do, or um, I always print my weekly schedule. And so it'll just show me in different colors what meetings I have for the day. And that way, if I get in, you know, invested in a project, I don't forget what meetings I need to go to. And I say that because I literally have a clipboard it, it stands on. So there are still some things I need in my hands, some tools, um, so that I don't get lost. I also use two monitors. So in a virtual sense, that's very important for us um, just to be able to sort of enhance our skills and how we navigate the different online systems that we use. Um, I'm going to pause the new chat. There's a few things. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I was just saying, it's, you know, good intentions versus intentional action, right? You put something on the calendar, but if you don't do it during that time, that's all it was, was I meant to do the right thing. And that's how we evaluate ourselves, everybody. We evaluate ourselves based upon our intentions, but we evaluate other people based upon their results. Right. That's just truth, right? So we just have to be, just get better every day, a little bit. This has been huge. You know, Brian, I didn't think, I didn't expect this. This is great. You got all these people still hanging on because clearly time management is probably impacting every human being on the planet right now. Even that little for puppy sure. that Annette's got uh, with her there. Oh, for sure. And I, I know we're almost at the hour. Um, and I, I just really enjoyed this discussion. Thank you for allowing me to sort of get more in depth um, about this passion. I would love to leave you with just even this display, even if I can't say very much, because people do come first. Um, and, and it's really important. I created this habit um, the first year that I was in virtual education of reserving time for staff that you support, manage, what have you, collaborate with. Um, so all of my staff have reoccurring meetings with me, whether it's weekly, bi-weekly, 30 minutes, an hour, and it's reserved space because remember how full our calendars get or what you know cases pop up, we need to have time for them. And so on the right-hand side, um, I just listed uh, different reasons why you'd want to meet. If you're like, well, why would I do that? Um, it, because you get to be person-centered, you get to put that person first. You're talking about student-centered information. You review student data. You, you could even have an agenda and say, you know, make sure you bring this to our session. I want to talk through this with you. Or let their person, you know, if this is me meeting with Rachel, let her come and say, hey, I'd like to talk through these things with you. Um, and, and listen and support them socially and emotionally. That's important, especially through this pandemic. Um, track items and data, like track the actions. After each one-on-one, -on -one, my team knows me. If I have an action item, I am following up on it. I'm calendaring it. Sometimes I calendar and invite them to the calendar invitation. Um, and it's just, it's a way to make sure you're in communication and it limits surprises, quite frankly. Um, and you're able to also, last key is feedback. Feedback is crucial. So it just provides time and space to provide it and discuss it. Yeah. Listen, everybody, this was worth the price. That slide right there, go back to that oh, slide, Brianna. Yeah, That's yeah. so important. And like, if you got to leave, go ahead, leave, Brianna, because we're going to keep on talking about it. It's like, this was huge, everybody. Like, we don't always see ourselves as organizational leaders, but what you do is not only so important for the, you know, students, your job is to lead adults. Your job is to teach other adults how to lead adults the majority of your day. And I know some of you have, you know, student caseloads, but what, this is gold, what she just shared. She intentionally spends time 
with everybody on her team so she can get to know them better, talk about what's most important, help them and you know through any barriers, give them feedback, get some feedback for herself. That's huge. If you're not doing that as an EC director, like you got to take a step back because you you are a critically important person in your organization and your your main job is to teach adults how to lead adults. Sorry for stealing your thunder there, Brianna, but it was no, huge. I mean, what you just shared it was great awesome. at summarizing. You're you're great at this. You take it to another level. <laughs> no, that's that's I love landing on that because I love people and um, I really I don't know how else we can be continuously improving leaders without our people, without having discussions, making time for those discussions, caring about what's happening in those discussions, and then taking action and make sure, make sure that we're modeling what that looks like to leave a discussion and, and actually you know, do something afterward. Um, and then just my last slide is just thanking you. I, I really feel honored. Um, and I, I say that very sincerely to just be here to discuss these things with you. Please don't hesitate to connect with me. Um, I, you know, we are all in this together. Well, virtual brick and mortar doesn't matter our, our background, race or color, like I'm here to support you. So please don't hesitate um, to reach out. And I hope that this has been beneficial for you today. Oh um, <laughs> it's so great to hear. Thanks, Tom. And some of the messages in the chat. Uh, I really don't like to waste time. I just, I just want to help you in this journey. So. Yeah, I mean, what I think is we need to bring uh, Brianna back as a consultant in our company to teach time management. I mean, you know, for me, uh, that 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 in itself was just huge there, um, and and also uh, that we just need to remember that our job is about people. It's you know people first, but this this happens often. Um, we assume you you just start off with an assumption, right? We assume that because I have a college you know, degree, or you know, because I got my master's, that I know how to develop and lead other people. No, I know how to get a master's and I know how to get a bachelor's. I'm good there, but I haven't necessarily learned all these other pieces, how to lead effective meetings, how to, how to you know, measure data, make better decisions, like all these pieces you're talking about, you EC directors on this call, and the principals who are on here with your EC directors, you need to make sure that they are getting equipped to be able to do these things. So then they can be as good as Brianna and somehow lead a caseload of 2000 one day. <laughs> so, so any last thoughts or questions from anybody um, about, about what we learned today? Um, I think there's a couple of things in the chat. They might all be thank you. So let's check. Yeah, oh, great tips. Yeah, Outstanding. So yeah, this might've been our best call of the year. I think everybody, I don't know. Uh, Mary said, our IT and EC director here today, working towards organization and supportive relationships. Yep, you are a great communicator. Okay, there you go. Look at that, Brianna. Aw, so thank awesome you. Stuff. So great. Well, I'm well, filling up my cup. Well, I we really want, appreciate we, that. Well, we want Miss Wall to go get some lunchtime because she hasn't had that. <laughs> and, and so I'm going to do this. I'm going to unmute everybody. But before I do that, um, I want to thank you, uh, Brianna. This was super special for me and such a big part of what we try to do is to unite and educate more you know, groups. So you're in California, we're in North Carolina. So now we've built this big bridge. And so, nice. so I would love to know, you know, in a chat box real quick, put the one thing that you learned from this you know, hour that you're going to actually implement, not what you learned, what you're actually going to do, because that's what Brianna's about. She's about doing. And then while you're doing that, I'm going to unmute everybody.
Uh, so you can say bye and we can let uh, Brianna go and enjoy her two little amazing kiddos. Weren't they cute as heck? Oh my goodness gracious. So let me do that. Let me unmute everybody. Put her something in there Thank that you you're so going to try much. the task or something. Bye-bye, everybody. Everybody say bye to Brianna there. Bye, Brianna. Bye. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so Thank much. You. Yeah, that was awesome. Bye. Thank great. you. I'll talk to you soon, Brianna. Thank you so much. That, that was, was great. so great. Thank you for giving you me time. You are so welcome. Bye. Bye. Bye.